It's IBS Eases coming at you guys live with a special edition of the IBM Weekly College Podcast. Um, we are doing Saturday morning um, because we had some stuff go down this week. We're unable to get it done on Wednesday. Uh, Thursday was not a good night, so why not just do it on a Saturday morning? Uh, it is 10 a.m. Eastern. We've got a lot of great college football to talk about, a lot of great college football um, to discuss in regards of what could potentially happen with the standings or, or the uh, rankings. Um, and then also the biggest news of the week is the fall and rise of Chase Young back again um, when people thought he was going to get at least four games. He got two uh, for a NCAA infraction. And I'm waiting on my co-host Marcus to give us a call uh, because I'm sure he has firsthand knowledge on what exactly went down with Chase Young and the family friend. Um, I will give you guys my take, and then we'll go from there. There's not any real kitty table people that uh, we could really do. I guess we, we might throw Penn State in there, but we will see how that goes. So uh, let me get Marcus in. Let's see. Marcus, you there? No kitty tables today, man. No kitty no tables. And, you know, it's funny. <laughs> I made an intro just for you. And I think you missed it, so I'm going to run it back for you, okay? All right. Uh, <laughs> Ohio State, man. What are y'all doing, man? What are y'all doing? Like, we just we just cut to the chase. No, no pun intended. We've been waiting on this all week. So I know you woke up in L.A., Sweating the bullets. Like, wait, what? Chase Young is, is what? Chase Young? And then I, I know you put on this persona like, yo, it's all good. We, it's nothing. It's nothing. But you had to be nervous, bro. What what exactly was your reaction when you woke up and, and obviously saw the 100 messages we sent you? Yo, it's crazy because I had well, I, I had heard my phone ringing. I had my phone on vibrate. You know, I have an Apple Watch, so my watch was going off, and I was like, "Yo, what the? What's going on?" I thought it was some Trump. I thought it was Trump. I I didn't know. Usually, <laughs> when I get this many type of notifications, something goes like crazy. So actually, the first message I saw was my manager, right? Like my my boss, 
fool, he's a UGA grad. And mm-hmm. he, he sent the emoji with the tongue out and the money. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And then that's when I saw it. I was like, man, I, I couldn't believe it. Like, it just seemed like it was kind of a dream, you know, because everything's been going so well this season. But, I mean, man, it was funny because I, I honestly, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I didn't think it was, you know, I, I didn't want to overreact to it. But I knew it was going to be a big issue. And I knew that regardless of, what the amount was or, you know, whatever. It just issues like this always divides people. People on one side are always gonna say, Oh, it's oh man, it was it was a lot. It was it was a lot for like the first two hours, which is crazy because people is all my friends, like everybody that I know, they they act like I play for Ohio State right now. Or I'm right. I mean you State. act I'm like, like you play for Ohio State. <laughs> nah, I don't. I don't. It's like, man, people give. I'm like, man, y'all asking me for official information. I don't. All I know is what the streets tell me. That's it. Listen, I didn't even hate Ohio State. I didn't. They were. They were never <laughs> on my radar, even when they were good. I met you and Chase, and I instantly hated Ohio State. Like, <laughs> the only reason why I cheer for Ohio State is because they do me a favor every year and they beat Jim Harbaugh. But um, I, I honestly, um, I honestly don't like them because you guys are just so arrogant so seeing Chase Young taken out even though like obviously it doesn't matter for these two games that he's missing but the idea that he could potentially not be there for the playoffs was just too much for me to handle man I was so excited I literally kicked my feet when I got the alert (laughs) and it was funny because I swear Chase was in mid like pompous rant in the chat like talking about how they should be number one and this and that and then that alert came through and I was like, you know, I'm not even going to let him see it first. I'm just going to put it out there. <laughs> and it, it just got so quiet, so quiet. And I could tell he was probably looking like, what did he do exactly? So um, let's let's touch base on that because I don't care yeah. what nobody says. Yo. You have to be uh, you have to be one of the most naive people in the world to think that he took a 4K loan out to fly his girlfriend to the Rose Bowl. Like, Chase said it cost him like three hundred some dollars for a ticket just for a flight. So where where is all that money going to? So my theory is is that it was an escort, probably an Instagram model or something like that. But they want no regular girlfriend. Like, what's your real theory on what exactly he did with that money? One, I don't care if it was his girlfriend, side piece, front piece, back piece, doesn't matter to me. Because the thing that I have an issue with is. Listen, I know people are going to say rules are in place. You can't go around breaking rules. Yeah, the rules, I understand that, right, that a lot of these rules are in place to not only protect the teams but protect these guys from themselves because a lot of the people that are willing to loan them money are predators, right, that they expect mm-hmm. something in return. They're probably agents, friends of agents, whatever. I get that. But the rule is outdated. And my thing is, what's what's $4,000? Regardless of, I don't care what he did with the money, right? What's $4,000 to, think about how, how big Chase Young is this year, his brand, his image. We're talking about he plays on a team that's a, a member of a conference that paid each school, excluding Rutgers and, and Maryland, because, you know, they're relatively still new members to the Big Ten. They paid them $50 million apiece. So you want, so you want Chase Young is a better dude than me. I would have declared for the draft. So you're going to bench me for taking $4,000 to fly someone I care about. I don't care what her role is. I don't don't care. It was really his girlfriend, though. It was really his girlfriend. But (laughs) 
You want to you want to sit me. Yeah, you want to sit me, and then you want to potentially reinstate me to come back so you can profit off my likeness and my image. You're gonna bring me back for Penn State, Maryland, Minnesota, and possibly the college football playoff. Come on, man, it's a money grab for everybody else except those guys. And I, listen, man, I don't even hit between Chase Young and James Wiseman. I think the NCAA now are feeling this. These two cases, I think, are really gonna put a lot of pressure on them in the off season because it's just ridiculous at this point, man. Like if you, nobody really knows the rules. It seems like the bylaws are, you know, they're written, but they're made up as they go, man. Like to me, it's it's, a, it's always a non-issue. And anyone talks to me, listen to this podcast. I'm always in favor of these guys benefiting off their likeness, benefiting off their name because Ohio State is going to, the NCAA is going to. You think So you're trying to tell me it's just, I, I don't know, coincidental that he's coming back for Penn State and Michigan? Come on, man. Yeah, I, everybody I, I agree. Money except, except those guys. That's, that's corny. Yeah, I agree. You made, you made a good point um, in the fact that, honestly, if you if we look at it from a big picture perspective, like the NCAA, yeah. they need these kids. They need the Wisemans and the Chase Young. Uh, the teams the teams need them. You know, the schools need them. Uh, it, it probably would have set a precedent if Chase Young had to say, you know what, f it, I'm going number one anyway, so I don't have to come yeah. back and play. Like, I mean, yeah, Bosa I mean, only played Bosa only played what one or two games. And he still went uh, number two overall. Chase Young has been way more impressive. Like he could have easily just said, "Forget it," and and still went number one. We talked about this in the scouting academy this week, right? About essentially nobody who who remembers Christian McCaffrey, Bryce Love, Leonard Fournette sitting out. The NFL they they couldn't care less. Actually, Mm -hmm. it is more beneficial to NFL teams. So, so essentially, in the scouting academy, we had you know instructors and asking a guy like Dan Hatman, who's a lifetime scout. You know, we had this about NCAA. Everyone feels the same way, even at the NFL level. But they don't have to do anything because it's a farm system to them, and they're going to you know it's, it's it's the NFL can care less. 150 snaps to 175 snaps is kind of what you like to see on film for any prospect. Mm-hmm. And he he was. Never played another down in college football, and no doubt about it, would it probably still be the number one pick, man. So it's like, what are we doing here? Like, the rules have to change. The guy is – and the thing is, I, I know – the thing that's always funny to me is to hear people use such strong language like cheaters and circumventing the rules. Like, come on, we really going to bash this kid? We're going to tarnish his image, his family's reputation for him really doing something that's non-criminal? Not like he, you know, it's not a domestic violence, it's not a drug, it's not a performance enhancing um, issue. It's just this guy is taking money to essentially fight his girlfriend or girl to, you know, a game that everyone else is going to make a lot of money on. 4000 5000 a year, it's a lot of money, but Shorty like Balenciaga. He likes Balenciaga. <laughs> it's a different lifestyle. He Maybe he want a Roly. Maybe they want to go out, you know, a Melrose, whatever it may be. Take as much money as you want. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not hey, against it, man. Hey, look, man. My only disappointment is that we couldn't see you guys sweat a, a little bit more. People Two wanted games to see black. us, man. People wanted they should, to see. Hey, they yo, shout let, out to Jay Holla, man. Nah, they should have let. They should have let him play these two games and then came back and been like, after further <laughs> investigation, you're gonna have to sit. <laughs> That'd have been perfect. But Young will be back next week, just in time for Penn State. 
who actually, actually should be our kitty table nominee, but in the sense of, of the situation and, and, the, and Minnesota uh, being at home and amped and stuff and, and giving respect to uh, what PJ has done out there. I'm not going to put them on the kitty table, but I will say that I think that is a storyline hitting into this week is the slight disappointment that we got uh, as fans from Penn State being uh, ranked number four last week by the committee and then ultimately dropping all the way down to number nine. Uh, this week. Is there still a slight chance for Penn State to get into the playoffs again? I mean, obviously they would have to beat Ohio State in that scenario. Is there a chance? Uh, Very, 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 very slim. I think, listen, for Penn State, right, I'm going to put some respect on Minnesota's name, right? And I think that we look at, we view Penn State in this light as being the number four team, you know, possibly a college football playoff, you know, um, attendee. And to go on the road against a place like Minnesota, who P.J. Fleck, and he's done a really, really a great job, big, mm-hmm. great job, like Trump in Minnesota, to be able to recruit to that, to, to that place, to be able to develop and get people to buy in. I know people think he's very car salesman-like, and, you know, but, but he resonates with younger guys, right? He leads through. He's very a, a positive leader, positive reinforcement. And I think it, it was a big win. I said arguably the biggest win maybe in their program history. And, and Minnesota's a good football team. They're a quality football team. And a lot of – I think more credit should be given to Minnesota instead of more, you know, shame or blame given to Penn State. Because, mm-hmm. I, I mean, maybe they're a really good team. But I don't see them – I don't think at this chance Penn State has a chance to get in the playoff. It'll be really, really slim. I think the thing that for me that's been a little disappointing is it just seems like, man, we set up these other schools, right, where it's, first it was Wisconsin. Oh, they're going to challenge Ohio State. They're going to challenge Ohio State. Then they go lose to Illinois. Now you got Penn State, who we thought was going to be the top four, you know, top five uh, game, and then they go and lose to a really good Minnesota team. But, I, I mean, I don't see for Penn State how they're, you know, going to get in the playoff going forward. And I really want to see, you know, what the rest of the Big Ten is like. You know, I think our toughest games are coming down the stretch, you know, because we're possibly going to go Penn State, Michigan, and Minnesota back-to-back-to-back. Uh, to back to back. Which is going to be a really tough three-game slate, man. I think it's going to be a lot tougher than people think for us. I don't think we're going to just walk through Penn State or Michigan. Minnesota, uh, I don't know. You know, it's a neutral feel, <laughs> it's a neutral feel in Indy, man, so any, anything could happen. But it's going to be an interesting um, finishing stretch for the Big Ten. Yeah, I think what stood out to me was how Minnesota attacked Penn State. I feel like Penn State yeah. kind of came in trying to feel things out, and, and Minnesota was just – Full throttle from from the kickoff to the to the last uh, whistle, and um, <clears throat> that aggressiveness. I mean, uh, I've watched enough of PJ to know how he is. Like he's not the type to sit back on his on his heels and no, let stuff no. come to him. Anyway, he's very uh, aggressive and energetic. And I think, like you said about the program and and people buying in, I think this was the the uh, the dream, like right in front of his eyes, just taking place on the field like everything he put into this program since he got there um, everything just came full circle and it was the perfect moment uh, for the program and and for him uh, because it was it was one of the most watched games of that of that Saturday and and um, it all came together and it was impressive um, so they actually earned a, a, a number eight ranking we'll get into the rankings now so um, I think last week Minnesota was like number 17 so they jumped a lot yeah um Oklahoma is coming in at number 10 by the committee at 8-1. and one. 
uh, probably the most disappointing uh, team within the top 10 right now. I don't know what Baylor has to do uh, to get recognition. I, I feel like if Baylor beat Oklahoma, <laughs> they'd still be number 11 somehow. But, I mean, they are so lucky that um, Iowa State, which I, I'm so sick of seeing this, but Iowa State went for two, and that's the only reason why that game probably ended up in an Oklahoma victory. They should have took it into overtime and, and really took it to Oklahoma because they had all the momentum um, on that comeback. So 8-1 uh, Oklahoma. 8-1 uh, coming in at number nine. We just talked about them. Penn State, um, they've got Indiana today. So it's probably not going to move the needle one way or another. Now, uh, I said not number so fast, eight. My friend. Not so fast, my friend, but we get to that later. Now we get to that later. Okay. Coming in at number eight, which when we get to the the gambling portion of the show, I will say this is the most interesting line to me, but I understand why it's it's set the way it is. But coming in at number eight at 9-0, Minnesota. Coming in at number seven, uh, Pac-12 contender University of Utah at 8-1. Coming in at number six, Pac-12 contender at 8-1, and one, University of Oregon. And then we get into the controversy here, all right? So the top five, <laughs> there's a little bit of controversy, and, and we can discuss this at length because I had a, a lengthy discussion with somebody in the group to the point where it just made my head hurt and I was getting frustrated. But, I, I mean, he had a, he had valid points. I, I still question whether or not he's actually watched any of these teams per se, but he had valid points. Number five right now is the University of Alabama at 8-1. and one. We all know they lost to LSU. We're not going to necessarily go back over that game per se, but um, you were all over LSU. I was skeptical, but LSU showed up, showed out, and, and it, was, it was a good win. And number four is the University of Georgia at 8-1. and one. We cannot get rid of the dogs, even though they lost to South Carolina. They keep finding a way back. So there are people out here that think that, Alabama should be number four and Georgia should be number five. Alabama is one of those quote unquote people. Uh, if you saw the reaction of the players when Georgia was announced in front of them, what is your take on the four and five right now? Is it correct to you? You know, it's <laughs> I'm, I'm torn between UGA and Bama, right? Because from just for me, it's always going to be best win over best loss. I don't like that term. And I think for right now, Georgia probably has better wins, which is minimal over Alabama. And I'm okay with them being at four for right now, because I do think they're they're the best team in the SEC West. That's obvious. And they're going to have that chance to prove their number four ranking going forward, because if they went out, I think they got an interesting game today against Auburn. If they can get out, win mm-hmm. out, and you'll have a chance to prove their ranking, right, against the SEC East um, winner in the SEC championship game in Atlanta. So I'm okay with Georgia being being four right now and Alabama being fifth. My my biggest issue with the is, – it's kind of the committee, right, and it's week to week. And I understand that, that they kind of move the goalposts every week because college football is different every week. And, you know, it just mm-hmm. seems like some weeks it's – who has the best win or in comparison, who has the better loss or the eye test or, you know, whatever their metrics or, you know, grading criteria could be, it's hard to kind of really get an understanding of what they're looking for. But I have no, I have no issues right now with UGA being number four, because as you know, the next couple of weeks, it's going to all sort itself out, man. I think that if Bama wins out 
and UGA wins out, I still think Bama will get in over UGA. Unless yeah, they so, win, you know, the, the SEC championship. So my conspiracy theory from last week is a, is a little off. Um, but I still think from um, a logistics standpoint, the five spot is the best spot to be right now. There's no pressure yeah. on you at number five if you're Alabama. Yeah. And you don't have to take the risk of the extra game. LSU and, and Georgia are on a, on a collision course if Georgia wins out. And then you end up having to root for LSU. Ohio State's schedule is still tough. You know, they still got a lot of ranked opponents in, in the rivalry game that they got to work work out. Um, yeah, we got three top 15 opponents the, in the next week. Three yeah, weeks. so sitting in the five spot right now, if you're Alabama and with the, their remaining schedule, you're just waiting for somebody. You're waiting for the first person to hit the floor so you can stop them and take their place. And and that's going to happen. Somebody's going to lose, whether it's Georgia or, God forbid, Ohio State. One of these teams Clemson, will, will LSU, drop yeah, Somebody's going to lose, yeah. Yeah. Like one of these floors is is gonna potentially drop a game, and it and it makes it tougher for them. Like you're you're basically in in like drafting position if we're talking like uh, like racing. Like you're just cruising behind the leader and waiting for your yeah. opportunity to to sneak past them at the five position. Um, I think last week I was complaining about um, the five position uh, because Alabama had to play LSU and and Ohio. They had to play Penn State, and then Clemson was sitting at five, and I'm like, well, Clemson's basically automatically in because they're gonna. One of these teams is gonna lose, and then it's on Clemson to just win out. But uh, and it worked out. Uh, Penn State lost. Clemson shot up to three, and now they're sitting pretty. As long as they win out, um, and I think it's just a good spot to be. Now, in regards to what you were saying about the committee and how they how they. Um, how they move the goalposts and what the criteria is. I was thinking on it because, like I said, I had a lengthy discussion with somebody in the group about it. I don't know what the criteria is, man. I don't know. I just know what makes sense for me, and I think that's honestly what frustrates people with the committee is that ultimately it's it's whatever makes sense to whoever's casting the vote. Like some people go by the eye test. Some people, like you said, go by uh, best loss or best best win. I like to use a combination of it. I don't know if yeah. it's the right combination, but I get angry when people say, well, Alabama hasn't played anybody. Well, Clemson hasn't played anybody. You know, like, I, I don't, I mean, it, it's such, it's, it's just weird. Like, Ohio State has the toughest schedule out of all these people, and nobody but one person on our committee, and probably nobody in the actual committee would put Ohio State over LSU because LSU has the prettier wins because they're on TV and they're playing these SEC teams that you know, but overall strength of schedule, I mean, Ohio State is basically doing everything that people want the number one team to do. They're, they're playing the yeah. toughest schedule uh, out of all the top teams. They're, they're winning by substantial amounts. They look good when they win. They haven't had many, like, sweating moments. Like, I think they make might maybe a sweat, what, like one or two quarters this, this year? And yeah. and I think that was like in, in the pouring down rain against uh, Wisconsin or something Wisconsin. like that, and then they turn around and drag them. So, uh, but they can't get a they can't be number one. And when they were number one last week, everybody threw a fit. But I'm like, this is what you're asking out of your number one <clears throat> team to basically be what Ohio is. So ultimately, I don't think anybody knows what they really want. And and people blame college football, say it's bad for college football, but. I don't think it's necessarily bad. The controversy sells. No, I mean, bad. people Absolutely. get frustrated, but we tune in every week, and, and casual fans tune in every week 
to to complain about it. I mean, it's kind of like uh, yeah. like what we do in boxing. You know, we we don't get the fights we want, but it can, keeps people interested because we just complain about it, and that has become the culture of the sport. And I think complaining about the rankings is the culture of college football. Um, so I I don't have a problem with their top ten per se. I don't have a problem with Bama being five. Um, I mean, I guess if I mean, you, because if you're Bama the best beating? loss type. Yeah, I was gonna say if you're the best right? loss type person. Their best win their is best Texas wins A&M. A&M, ain't it? Yeah, that's, and that's <laughs> not good. I, I mean, it's not good. Uh, exactly. And UGA had the least beaten at that time. They beat Notre Dame, and they also beat Florida in a rivalry game. They do have – even though that loss to South Carolina is worse than their loss to LSU, but it's also at the same time, it's who have you beaten? Bama has – their best team so far has been Texas A&M. And I'm not always a strength of schedule type person or a strength of record. I'm kind of more of a combination. Let me see how the team plays on the field. So I'm not always willing to knock a team against, you know, their strength of record or strength of schedule because you can only play who's put in front of you. But with that said, you have to be dominant in those wins, and you have to beat at least, you know, I would say two to three quality opponents per year. And right now, Bama's best win is Texas A&M versus Florida and Notre Dame for Georgia. And another thing to me is that people complain and talk about, oh, there's so much, there's too much subjectivity in college football. You know, the scheduling isn't unified. It's these same teams, but these same teams are huge brands, and they continue to drive college football mm-hmm. every year. Is really the argument the same? What five or six teams? Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, Oklahoma. You know, get to a Penn State and Notre Dame, but those those schools sell. And as much as people complain about it, you know, not just in the group, but about college football that whole. You, we love blue bloods. Yeah, yeah, Boise State is nice. UCF is nice, but they don't move the needle. They don't move the opinion and the passion and emotion of people like in Ohio State, like in Alabama. <clears throat> Excuse me. So people that complain about that just go, shut up. Watch Sunday ball then. If that's if that's what you want to do, just watch the NFL and just know that the college football game is, is different. And I I wouldn't say it's better, but it, it, it's different. And the, these brands create this type of intrigue around the sport. Yeah, and I will say there's a very small percentage of people who actually watch UCF in Cincinnati on on a Thursday night, man. Like, I even had a thread. I, I made, like, all these uh, posts about it, and, and nobody even has a comment. And we're we're a small collection <laughs> in the group, but our group is a, is a good representation of what college yeah. football is to masses. Like, we have our regular commenters and, and fans of Blue Bloods. And and they drive the content, but then you have casuals who don't who don't understand why UCF isn't ranked in the top five. Well, they're undefeated. Yeah, but who are they playing? Like like, are you watching the games? Like, there's nothing really impressive about dragging Houston. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm sorry, it's just not. And, yeah. and, and uh, uh, eight and one Bama is more impressive than a nine and zero Baylor. Like, I'm I mean. I'm sorry. That's just how it is. Like, I, and I'm a big Baylor uh, supporter this year. I want them to get a little bit more respect. But I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it it just means more uh, to the game uh, for the Blue Bloods to to get this kind of respect that they get. Is it fair? No, but that's the game. And and if you want to get their spot, you got to play them for it, basically. And I think I honestly think um, I think it's an exaggeration on how teams pick their schedule. I mean, there, there's some indications, but for the most part in these last uh, three or four years, we've gotten a lot of like early marquee games against ranked opponents uh, 
looking to kind of boost themselves or even just get that one loss out the way so it doesn't really affect them later on in the season. Like, uh, like it would have worked for Texas if they had kept winning, you know, after they lost to LSU. LSU's number one. It wouldn't look that bad, you know. But yeah. obviously they kind of dropped the ball on that. So, um, and, and kudos to LSU for taking that risk. They went to Texas to play Texas when Texas was a, a, a top-10 uh, team and took a chance, and it paid out for them. So we're seeing teams gamble more. I mean, Alabama played Florida State. Uh, in a marquee game, what, two years ago? Uh, and, and it was a neutral side game. So, I mean, you got uh, Ohio State, Georgia signing home-and-home uh, games coming up in the next couple years. So we're seeing the change that people want. I just think people need yeah. to be a little bit more patient. Yeah, we're going to Oregon next year. Um, you know, yeah, our first See, that's huge. Game. So that will probably be a, yeah, a big top ten game next year. So I think schools are, you know, they're willing to schedule more, um, mm-hmm. you know, early season top, you know, let's say, you know, top-tier opponents early on in the season to get that non-conference resume because one thing the committee has also shown is, you know, if a school the caliber of Ohio State or Oregon, you know, a top-10 matchup, you get more credit in losing a marquee out-of-conference game than you do for winning a lackluster, you know. you They would yeah. much rather see you lose to Ohio State by five than to go roll Eastern Washington by 60. You know, that seems to be more – the committee wants to see how, how are you planning a quality opponent? Are you willing to play that caliber on the opponent? Yeah, and I was going to say this this committee for sure this year has definitely shown that they don't really necessarily care about your loss um, as much yeah. as committees in the past because we've got one, two, three, four, five, six of the top ten teams have a loss. And, and then we've got a team who hasn't lost uh, in Baylor, and they're number 13 uh, in the committee's eyes. Our top three are obviously undefeated, but Minnesota's 9-0, and and they're number eight. So, again, they don't really care about your record having a zero. Um, it's, it's just about more of what you've done on the field and, and who you're playing. So, um, I, I think in that aspect, this year's committee is doing uh, college football a, a service. Like, um, I, I really think it's going to make people – uh, continue to start uh, keep up with that trend of more neutral site ranked opponent games because Oregon lost to Auburn in the beginning of the year and it actually might not hurt them. Uh, they're sitting yeah. at number six. If if them and Utah have a collision course and they both come in as one loss teams and, and the Pac-12 has a, a one loss champion like that one loss champion, well, we're gonna have an argument. Is is a one loss Pac-12 conference champion better than a one loss Alabama? And, and there's an argument to be made because, well, they won their conference and Bama didn't. And that's something that could boost them up to the four spot if Alabama can't get um, to at least number three, you know? So Yeah, and not I only mean, that, too, you got to think up until up to this point, if Oregon and Utah win out, you're talking about a top ten matchup in the Pac-12 championship. If Oregon yeah. wins that game, that would be a better win for Oregon and also a, a better win for Oregon than any win Bama has had this year against a top mm-hmm. 10 opponent and a conference champion. So I think my bid, I, I would, and, and it's not people say, oh, that's hating, it's Bama fatigue. We know Bama are one of the four. So what? But that's not the criteria. It has all oh, yeah. the four best or the four most deserving. And based on what the committee has said, yeah, Bama talent-wise, Tua, Nick Saban, they may be one of the better four better teams in the conference, but – in comparison, you can't talk about, oh, Ohio State's resume isn't good. They haven't done anything. 
oh, Clemson hasn't beat anyone. You can't say that in the same breath and also go to say, oh, Bama deserves to be in the playoff just because they're Alabama. No, I'm not a, I'm not a believer in that. So our committee, our committee is yet again, the top three are the same for our committee. Um, actually, let me start at the bottom. So our committee has Penn State at number 10. Um, we actually showed Baylor some love and gave them number nine. Um, Utah is number eight. Minnesota is number seven. Georgia is number six. Oregon is number five. And then we've got Bama at number four. And then the top three are the same, Clemson, Ohio State, and LSU. We had one person, one person, I hope he's listening, one person voted for Ohio State to be number one out of 13 people. So that is why Ohio State is sitting at number two with one first place vote, which is absolutely ridiculous, but <laughs> that's who he is. So our, our committee seems to be more what fans want to see. I think a lot of people still don't like Baylor in the top ten, but our committee seems to be more um, more aggressive when teams lose. Like o- Oklahoma's not even in our top ten. So – I mean, I I was a little shocked at that, but I guess they saw the ending of the. Uh, you said what? Does anyone think faster than Oklahoma? Just considering that one loss just kind of bottomed out their entire season. You know, it just seems like everyone else has been getting the. I mean, I'm not agreeing or disagreeing with it. I'm just kind of surprised that like, dang man, Alabama. Not Alabama. Excuse me. Oklahoma loses one game to a ranked opponent, a, a quality opponent in Kansas State. And we just instantly just knocked them out of the playoff conversation. I think it, I think it's I know Kansas State's quality, but I think people are looking at the fact that they're uh, a three loss team. Um, and then just Oklahoma, honestly, I don't have a, a true issue with Oklahoma not being top ten because they really have not looked good. <laughs> like they've been shaky, man. Like they barely beat uh, Iowa State. Um, and, and it's just like a team that doesn't seem like they're focused. Like, I really thought that they would come out after the loss from K-State and really want to just, you know, put it on somebody. Like, what I expect Alabama to do against uh, – uh, is it Mississippi State or Ole Miss, whoever they play today? Like, I, I expect them to really smack them across the face and, and just dog them. And I was expecting that from Oklahoma, and they just came out really flat, man. Like, they were up two scores. Iowa State – won't necessarily packing it in, but they won't really expecting the game to like come down to the wire, and and it's just like Oklahoma just lost focus. Uh, it's, I don't know. Maybe it's one of those situations we see this sometimes with teams who are are more seasoned and and have high expectations. Uh, I think Georgia was a good example of this last year. They lost that one game, and then it's just kind of like they just packed it up. They don't want to play no more. They they didn't make the playoffs, so it's whatever, you know. And I feel like that's what I'm seeing out of Oklahoma, which is sad because they still have a ton of talent. But uh, I think the committee has taken note of that, and um, that's why they keep sinking. And it's not just our committee. Like, even the actual college football playoff committee, I think that's why they just keep gradually sinking. Uh, I mean, if you want to talk about best losses, I mean, Oklahoma's one loss is not as bad as Georgia's one loss. Georgia continues to climb, and and you could say it's because of who they play. But, I mean – they didn't play anybody tough last week. They played Vandy, you know, but they dogged Vandy, or was it Vandy, or maybe that was Florida. Anyway, whoever they played last week, they dogged them. So um, 
I think that's that's just like part of the variations that we see as far as the committee. Like, are some people doing eye tests? Some people doing best laws? Who knows? But in the end, I think everybody pretty much is down on Oklahoma right now, deservingly so. Um, so since we're talking about Oklahoma, let's get into what I think is one of the marquee betting games today, and that is Oklahoma visiting Baylor. It is down to 10 points. What's your take on that? I like Oklahoma big. I know it's on the road. It's in Baylor. Baylor's been looking, you know, to kind of prove that, you know, they're, they're, a, little, they're a lot better than people are giving them credit for. Right? Uh-huh. Like I think people view Baylor as just being – undefeated and just being good just based on the quality opponent that they played. Even Tristan doesn't like uh, um, Baylor. But, I mean, it's, you know, it's it's just one of those things. It's like, I mean, I don't really know how to feel about Baylor. I know they're undefeated and I've watched them, and I'm like, yeah, they're good. But I've just seen Oklahoma, I see C.D. Lamb, Jalen Hurst is still having an explosive year. I just don't think Baylor have enough to get into it. You're going to have to get into a track meet, into a shootout with Oklahoma, and I don't think that defense is good enough to really get consecutive stops and get consistent stops against that offense. And I ain't looking good for the Bears today, man. I know those your boys. You want to ride with them, but you can go ahead. I'm going to let you down on that hill by yourself. I support Blair on the simple fact that, one, I don't – I just don't see how I could take Oklahoma right now uh, based off oh. how they played over the last couple uh, weeks. Um, I, I like – the coach for Baylor, I think he's uh, I think he's contender for coach of the year, honestly. Um, and it's it's just the the late game laps from Oklahoma. And I, I I fully expect Oklahoma to win. I mean, I put him on upset alert uh, just because of the late game laps that I've seen over the last couple of weeks. But I mean, I I wouldn't I would be more shocked if Baylor outright won than if Baylor covered the spread. And it's just because Oklahoma just hasn't really looked the focused team in the last couple of weeks and is one of those plays that um, I'm taking Baylor simply off of what I've seen from both teams on the field. Now, Baylor's not that impressive on offense. Um, they really do struggle moving the ball um, and they're, they're a little methodical with their approach. However, Oklahoma's defense is, is not really a defense that stops people. They bend but don't break kind of and, and, I think with, with um, Baylor's running game is, is one of those things that um, kind of plays in their favor to, to get keep it within at least 10. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, Baylor also, like a fun fact, Baylor um, is kind of turnover prone, but Oklahoma is like one of the worst teams at forcing turnovers and takeaways. So some of Baylor's woes might be masked offensively because they're playing a defense that doesn't necessarily um, attack. So um, I, I, I still like Baylor in this spot. I'm staying with them. Like I said, I picked them for uh, an upset alert watch. I'm not I'm not really banking on it per se. And if you're looking at the upset, it's three to one uh, Baylor. So definitely wouldn't touch the over under at 69 and a half. I, I'm not falling for that. <laughs> if it goes over, it's probably because it goes in overtime. I, I highly doubt. Because um, it's either going to be a lot of Oklahoma points and, and limited Baylor points, or just one of those games is going to be pretty close. Um, let's see. Since that was the marquee game, betting game in my mind, um, we can start at the top. Uh, an upset alert special I have. I don't know if you like this or not, but Temple over Tulane. Tulane is visiting Temple, a six-point favorite. Tulane is, I want to say, like 
six and sixteen against the spread or something like that in, in the last couple years on the road. Temple is four and one outright um against or just outright winners at home. They've got wins against Memphis and a couple other respectable in their conference. I I like Temple in this spot as an upset alert. What do you think, Marcus? Taking teams like Tulane, um, they're coming on the road going to Philadelphia, which is probably going to be 30 degrees or, you mm-hmm. know, cold weather environment. And Temple's been playing good ball. I do like Temple. I've been watching a lot. I mean, you know, we watch a lot of AAC action. Oh, we yeah. watch a lot of all conferences. But people haven't played and paid, paid attention to Temple. They're, they're a pretty good football team. I think they're probably second or third best team in the AAC behind Memphis. Um, probably behind SMU. So, I, yeah, I like that. I like them to come big. I like them. That was a game I had. I was watching earlier as well. Yeah, um, and, and it's it's been a steady six. Um, and like you said, you you got Tulane visiting Philly. It's gonna be cold. And and sometimes with with games like this, um, I used to play Iowa State a lot like this. Like Iowa State was one of those teams where they were eh, everywhere else, but at home they were really solid against yeah. the numbers and really good for an upset. And I and um, I mean, shoot, they kind of fit that profile last week <laughs> when they played Oklahoma. I just I just played the spread rather because it was like fourteen, so I played the spread. Yeah. I didn't play the outright upset, but. I mean, Temple Temple fits that bill, man. And and Tulane, for what it's worth, they they've always struggled on the road. I mean, they struggled um, they struggled against uh, Navy. I think they played Navy on the road, and and they mm-hmm. kind of came back, but then they ended up losing in the end. But it's just one of those things where I will always take the points with a good home team. Um, if they're playing a team that struggles on the road, I think it's just a no brainer. Um, six is is a funky number to take. Because they could lose by a touchdown. Like if it goes into overtime, then you're kind of screwed. But uh, it's still, I don't, I don't think it'll go to that. But um, I'm, I'm okay with that being my upset special alert. Uh, the second uh, 12 o'clock game on the schedule, and you had said not so fast, my friend. So I'm thinking you want to speak on this. Penn State is hosting Indiana. The spread is 14 and a half right now. The over under is. 54 and a half, and this all comes from uh, mybookie.ag, our uh, sponsor. Um, so what do you think on that game? Because you were like, not so fast, my friend. What you thinking? I know people have been paying attention to the show this year, but no one has been as good for the money for me than the Indiana Hoosiers. I know people laughed at first. I said, no, Indiana's going to be a much improved football team. Tom Allen's a really, really good coach. Michael Phoenix is a quality quarterback. I think he's a guy that's going to be draft caliber going forward. And I think people are, you know, stuck on the name Indiana, right? But Indiana is 6-3 and three against the spread this year. And for me, I've also been – well, let me see. I got it written down. I'm 11-7 and seven on these dog picks. And I, I, I like Indiana to cover. I do like Penn State to win. I think it'll be a 10-point game, a 25-35 type game. And I like I like Penn State to win, but I like Indiana to cover. So that's the game I think people should pay attention to. I feel really good about picking the Hoosiers because they, they've just been good money for me this year. They're, and I think them, even though they're going on the road against Penn State, Penn State could kind of be in a look-ahead position with Ohio State next week. Coming off a loss in Minnesota, Indiana's rolling, probably the best team that they've had maybe, I mean, ever in, in their program history. So I, I, I will pay, I, I'm going to take that game. That's one of the games I had circled to um, that I really, really like, the dog to cover, and that's Indiana. So 
I, I know people are like, man, I'm not betting Indiana, but they they've been pretty good. They've been pretty good. No, I mean they they're um they're actually game most of the time too in these conference yeah. games. Like they're not they're not really slouches. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was looking at the over, but um, I wasn't 100 percent sure about the health of Penn State's the defense, over, primarily their pass rushers. But yeah. Yeah, so the over was really what was catching my eye because I feel like um, a few times I've tuned into Indiana to watch them a little bit. They got a little tempo to them, uh, more so than mm-hmm. you see in the Big Ten. So um, a 54-and-a-half seems like a, a a borderline generic Big Ten matchup, but you're, playing, you're, you're hosting a team that, that runs a little bit quicker pace. And, uh, and both, team teams like gonna, State, both teams are going to try to score. Yeah, and I was going to say a team like Penn State, who honestly is a huge – chunk play offense. They're not much on like three three yards here, five yards there. They're they're a very explosive offense. Um there's potential there for that over. Um the, the best value play probably, uh I can't believe we'll say it is, but I just I gotta see. I'm not gonna play it, but you're gonna get a laugh. I have to see it. I have watched Northwestern too many times oh. this year, unfortunately. I have bet I bet Purdue last week against Northwestern. And I wanna say last week was the first time Northwestern has scored a touchdown in almost a month <laughs> and some change of football. Yeah. I get yeah. that you, the University of Massachusetts gave up 500 passing yards almost to Liberty <laughs> University in a half. So they're really bad, yeah. like next level bad. But I don't care how bad you are. There is no way a team is, that goes scoreless for a month should be a 40 and a half point favorite. Like, Jesus. Yeah. I don't I don't know what to make of this game. There isn't even a line uh for the money line, which kinda makes me think that they think there's a chance UMass might actually win. But UMass is easily the worst football in college football. I mean the worst football program in college football right now. Uh at least division one. And I'm not gonna play it, but I'm definitely gonna be checking this line or this score because forty and a half like that. North, they treat Northwestern like Ohio State right now in this particular <laughs> matchup, and Northwestern can't score. Like it's crazy. So, and like I said, UMass gave up almost 500 passing yards to to um, Liberty. I don't think Northwestern can throw for 500 yards if he didn't put defense on the field. So, um, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna watch it. I ain't playing it, but it's it's one of the more curious lines. The uh, rest of the 12 o'clock slate is kind of like meh, except for what. I is my favorite play today, and it might be a trap, but I got to see it. Florida going to Missouri as a seven-point favorite. I don't know why it's just seven. I really feel like Missouri hasn't played good ball. I know they're they're a little bit tougher at home, but their quarterback is also dealing with some nagging injuries, and there's a question of whether yeah. or not he's going to actually play, and if he does play, if he's 100%. Florida is in a groove right now. Uh, their defense is filling themselves. I'm a believer in Trask, not for Heisman, but for wins. So I took this and uh, even put a little extra on it because I just think it's a good spot to play Florida. Another dog play that I'm all over top of. Oh, it's not it's not a 12 o'clock game. I didn't mean to okay. jump. I thought it was a 12 o'clock game, but it's a 4 o'clock game. Okay. Minnesota's a three-point dog going on the road against Iowa. I'm taking the Gophers big. I, I'm, I'm taking Man. the Gophers at least to win by a score. All right, so I was looking at that game, and I said something about that earlier this week um, about – how I just thought it was funny that Minnesota yeah. just beat the number four team in the nation by, yeah. by a pretty convincing uh, show, and they're going to Iowa, and they're three-point dogs. Like, it screams to me. It screams trap. 
but it just makes no sense how it, like it could not be like Minnesota should not be an underdog here. Like I've watched Iowa. No. Like yeah. I've, I've I've seen enough of Iowa. No, like they they don't they're not it, man. Their quarterback's not it either. He's a, he's a stick in the mud, and and they don't <laughs> play aggressive enough to really yeah. beat a, a top team. Like Iowa would would get down on fourth and and one on the four yard line and kick a field goal. Like they're that type yeah. of team. Like and you can't beat. Uh, top tier teams by playing scared, and I consider that scared. When they played, uh, what was it, Michigan? I've never in my life seen such scared play. And <laughs> Michigan, and Michigan was scared themselves. Michigan was just playing not to lose, not necessarily to win, yeah. but like they weren't doing much on offense. And then, I mean, the defense was doing um, okay, but it wasn't a game that really should have been uh, dominated by Michigan. It, it, and it just felt like. Iowa didn't realize that they were supposed to be in the game as far as competing. Like they were, to me, they were equals and Iowa was playing like, like Michigan was superior. So I can't shake that. So I don't, I don't like to, I don't like it. I, in my pick of my dead pick, uh, Iowa, but I mean, I'm not that confident on it. I just, I just didn't want to be, I just nah. didn't want to fall for what I thought was a trap, but it is, I don't know. I've never seen Vegas mess up that bad. Like, it's just weird to me. Like they, like how, that makes no sense. So I'm just wondering if it's a trap. So I'm curious to see how that game plays out and how they think. Well, Iowa's you know, sometimes Vegas, Vegas's job is to attract money, right? And I think mm-hmm. it's, it is an attractable line, and it's, it's attractive because I think people one don't think Minnesota's really that good, which yeah. is I don't know how you can think Minnesota isn't that good, but think Penn State is good, and they just be well, I, that's crazy to me. And I think people also think that okay, maybe Minnesota is going to be caught in this, you know, pretty much euphoric state of where, hey, man, they just beat Penn State last week. They were on this high. They're overlooking Iowa. People have written them in as the Big Ten West champion. I think, yeah, that part of the track is built into the line, but just watching football and just looking at those at those two teams, it just doesn't add up to me. And I'm one of those betters where I look at the product on the field first, and I want to mm-hmm. see how I feel about the football team itself. I don't care about the conditions. I don't care about the location. I just don't see Iowa being within two scores, really, of a Minnesota team. I think Minnesota beats them by at least 10 points. They they should. And if they don't, it'll be very disappointing. And I feel like if that's the case, then they need to be dropped out of the top 10 immediately. <laughs> yeah. um, so it is what it is on that one. I, um, are you – I'll backtrack a second. Are you interested in Alabama versus Mississippi State? Well, Is there any interest maybe, there? but I, I think I don't think Tua Tua may or may not play. People there have been oh. some, there hasn't been an official release. They think maybe he's re aggravated that ankle injury, and mm-hmm. um, I mean that's going to be a huge concern for them going down the stretch. You know, it's how healthy is Tua. But nah, man, they beat Mississippi State pretty convincingly. I'm not. I have yeah. no interest in it whatsoever. Um. A two thirty spot that I skipped over, and you you guys know how I feel about my military academies. Let's go Navy plus seven Uh-oh. hitting in the Notre Dame. Yeah. Forget Notre Dame, I ain't scared of them. Um, I I like Navy. I wish it was seven and a half. I would I would buy the hook because I really think it's going to be within the yeah, touchdown, and and, yeah. and it's going to be it's going to be one of those late game type um like wins for Notre Dame or Navy. Like I think this goes down to the wire. Navy has been very, very solid. They're not it's not the best Navy team I've seen. Um I still think the team with uh my boy Rollins or, or Reynolds uh at quarterback 
was uh, probably one of the better uh, naval teams. But this one's up there, and um, I think it's a big game for them. They're very excited. They're hyped. Um, they're focused. <clears throat> Notre Dame is actually playing good ball right now. Over the last couple of weeks, um, they, they kind of righted the ship. They had a good game last week uh, visiting Duke. They finally get back home. So um, it's going to be one of those grind-out, smash-mouth games. Mm-hmm. Man. Navy's defense is – they're no slouch. Um, and Notre Dame is, is definitely built to, to run at you and over you if they can. So um, I'll be watching that game as well. Um, no interest in Kansas State, West Virginia. I mean – if you want to take the 14, you can. Uh, I actually like Kansas State side to go over like 30 points or something like that, but um, no real interest in that. Uh, the, the biggest trap line ever, um, Ohio State, negative 53. Yeah, don't take the 53. Don't take the 53. <laughs> we had to. We had to, we had to make a pick. We had to make a pick on our pick, and it was one of those games. And I was just like, I just can't possibly – go contrarian and pick Rutgers, man. They're so bad. So bad. Yeah, but um, I don't think Fields is going to – I wouldn't take the 53. I don't – I think Fields and the first – all starters are probably going to play a half, maybe a quarter. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised it, if – It'll probably be 60 nothing. They play a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Maybe the 53. Can you imagine – like, how bad – how disrespectful is that to think that you're a eight-point – like an eight score dog, an eight to a ten score dog. Like that's crazy to think that people think Ohio State could beat a member, a Big Ten member, a Big Ten institution member to by fifty three points. Man, that's that's disrespectful. You got a scholarship, man, and you're you're an eight point uh, eight score underdog. It's bad, man. I, I, I hope Rutgers turns it around, man. I love to see him at least get this spread within like twenty in a couple years. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's just really bad. Man. on his way. He's on yeah, his way. that just means they're gonna get sanctioned eventually. <laughs> <laughs> um, three thirty marquee game is Georgia visiting Auburn. Georgia's favored by three. Seems about right. Um, no real qualms with with Georgia um, being favored by three. Auburn is is game at home, but I mean I don't. Georgia knows how to close games. Um, I will give them that. Um, and, and like I say every week, they get in the second half. They really depend on their, on Swift and, and those guys up front to really grind out wins. Three points isn't um, anything crazy for them to cover. Worst-case scenario, they probably win on the but I think they've got the defense to really give Knicks problems. And um, I think they got the O-line to – to really negate some of what Auburn does up front, because Auburn, to me, Auburn's strength of their defense is, is up front, and they're they're good yep, with their the hands, they're really quick good. off the ball. Yeah, yeah they, they're like if you like trench work, like this is a very uh, solid unit to watch. And uh, Georgia, for, for what it's worth, their offensive line is, is a very well coached unit, not necessarily the most talented group uh, in regards to their uh, predecessors of years past, but they're still solid. Um, Georgia comes and goes as Fromm comes and goes. If Fromm can get rid of the ball quick, Fromm can make the throws, then Georgia wins. Uh, I still think it's funny that Fromm, he's actually collegiate Jimmy, Jimmy G. I don't think he throws outside the numbers. (laughs) I I really don't. And and if he does, it's the most awful throws ever. 
And um, I was watching um, off topic just just a second, but I was watching Niners Seahawks at the bar um, last week, and and I think Chase had said something, but I was like, dude, don't we don't say this out loud, especially in front of Ronnie. But yes, Jimmy G can't throw outside numbers. I've seen it. I know it. <laughs> I, I don't yeah, want. he's a I very unwilling. Other people, but he's he's yeah. very limited. Okay, so um, I I see a lot of that in from. In, in, in some of his um, delivery and, and the plays that they call, like it's like they know he struggles a little with those throws to the um, outside the numbers. Uh, in fact, in the South Carolina game, that's where his picks came from, outside the numbers. He just can't do it. Um, Texas is a six-and-a-half-point underdog visiting Iowa State. Now, in years past, we would get Iowa State as a six-and-a-half-point underdog, but is this you wonder if this is an overcorrection from the fact that Iowa State covered against Oklahoma last week, or is this really just Texas being not that good? Both, but I think it's mostly Texas isn't that good. I think they week mm-hmm. to week. Yeah, they had an upset win. Who was it that they beat last week? It's put to my mind. But I think Texas is, is good. I mean, I, I don't think that – I shouldn't even say use the word good. I think they're adequate. I think they're okay. They're a bold-caliber football team going on against the road and where – Iowa State is a team that I think really matches them. I mean, what is Texas's identity on offense, on defense? And I think I, – I don't think Texas is, is a really good team, but going on the road and playing the Iowa State team, I, I like that line. I actually like I, – I like Iowa State to win. I thought that going in. I think Matt Campbell Matt Campbell's still a really good coach. And I think Texas is just a week-to-week football team. You know, I think we had a lot of expectation for Texas because of – maybe how they lost to LSU and people thought, you know, oh, hey, they're back and how they lost to Oklahoma. But, nah, not them, excuse me, Texas is just, I mean, I'm not surprised. I think Iowa State could possibly be the better team. Six yeah, they're back. Is, I think that's about they're right. Back, <laughs> back in the bottom of, of the yeah. rankings. <laughs> um, One game I like the over-under, I don't normally talk about over-unders, um, but Duke-Syracuse is at 51. I think that's pretty interesting considering both both teams. If you count, if you don't count the Duke game against Notre Dame, which is a far superior uh, program anyway, especially defensively, Syracuse not really that superior defensively. Um, Duke obviously struggling a little with their defense as well, giving up about twenty five plus points per game last month. Uh, coming in at 51 almost seems too easy. I had to check the weather. Like, is it raining or something? I, I don't understand. <laughs> um, I wouldn't take Syracuse on the spread, but I just feel like when you're dealing with Duke, uh, their, their quarterback is, is athletic. He's, he's dynamic. He can uh, improvise. Um, and, and with guys like that, you get a lot of big plays. Um, so Syracuse isn't – the type of um, defense that really stops big plays. I don't know if you guys have watched them this year, but they've been getting crushed. Um, so 51 <laughs> seems cash, pretty man. light. Yeah, 51 seems pretty light. So I was all over that. Um, it's one of my favorite plays. We talked about Minnesota, Iowa. Nobody cares about Wyoming or Utah State except for me. Um, and honestly, after 4 o'clock, after that Minnesota-Iowa game, there's really not anything interesting as far as gambling lines go mm-hmm. to me. Um, until you get down to, um, shoot, can't even say LSU, Mississippi. That's not really that interesting either. Until you get down to Oklahoma Baylor, which we covered. And then, um, a game that I wanted to get your opinion on because there are people out here and we'll, we'll end on this one. There are people out here who are, who are very interested in UCLA visiting Utah. Um, 
and that game comes on at 8 o'clock. Utah is a 20-and-a-half-point favorite right now. Uh, the over is at 52. There are rumblings that UCLA might have found something over the last couple weeks um, that would keep this game closer than what people think. Are you convinced that UCLA could cover that 20-and-a-half? No. Absolutely okay. not. I think oh, Utah beats them pretty convinced. I, they have gotten better, right? I think I've been saying mm-hmm. this all year, and that's one thing we've even talked about this in the scouting cast. I'm not giving up on Chip Kelly yet. I know it's easy people who watch football. I just think Chip Kelly, he he, he runs a quarterback-driven system, right? And Doran Thompson Robinson just isn't the guy. Like he's just not what we thought he would be. People thought he would be a Justin Fields. People thought he would be a Blake Herb. You know, they thought he would be a much further in his progression at this point. That's what happens in recruiting, just like in drafting. You take sometimes you miss a guy that you thought would be a hit, but he's getting better over the weeks. And at least they're start. I think people are starting to see just a pulse from that offense and kind of overreacting. But the rest of that team isn't very good. And I think Utah is just so strong up front um, in their front seven defensively that it's going to. I, I see it being like a 35-14 type of game. Yeah, I I, I was a little hesitant. I think I went contrarian on my um, picks just because the lines we get for the picks are a little bit higher. I want to say it was like almost like 24 for us. Um, but I mean, like I said, in my readings and, and research, there's been a lot of rumblings of people thinking that UCLA could, could pull this off. And you got to also consider altitude is at play at Utah as well um, in that field. And, and UCLA is not used to that. It's a night game. It's going to be cold for sure yeah. up there. And, uh, I mean, you see uh, Utah is, is at City, home, yeah. you know. Like, that's yeah. that's what they do. That's, that is a that is a true home field advantage. Um, And, and out there uh, is probably one of the better ones in the Pac-12, actually, uh, when yeah. you consider the altitude. So, I'm not buying it. Um, I, I, I'm not playing it, per se, but if I were to play it, I would definitely lean Utah uh, in a big win. So, um, we are – Closing out this the um, last minute or so. Is there anything that we didn't touch on that you want to talk about? Any parting thoughts? No, that's it. I think we covered everything. I mean, we covered right, Chase cool. Young. We went into all the week's best best men. I think this week is going to be the next couple of weeks. Just going to be really interesting. You know, I think it's going to be probably the the for the bigger teams at least. You know, it's been some very exciting games in college football, but I think now we're in a stretch run where. Something's going to happen. There's no way this college football season is just going to continue to go as planned. Like, mm-hmm. it's going to be some chaos. We've seen it. I don't know if it's going to be LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, or whoever it may be. And it's going to happen. It's coming up, man. So I think this week, next week, and the following weeks are going to be really interesting and going to really be, you know, so impactful for the playoff committee. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm with it, and I'm, I'm looking forward to the chaos, and I cannot wait. <laughs> I can't wait. Um, look forward to talking about, you know, what the committee's going to do next week and, and uh, see if anybody slips up this week. Uh, we do have a lot of good games from 12 to, to 8 o'clock, so definitely give it a watch. Thank you for calling in, Marcus. This has been the yeah, man, no problem. weekly college podcast, the Saturday morning edition. And uh, we will catch you guys next week on Wednesday on our regular time at 8.30. Thank you. Yeah, man. Next week. I'll let you. All right, bro.